Welcome to the Scoop and School podcast. Do they worry you a little? Are you worried? Ridiculous, Morgan. Bye bye. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Your host, Stephen Kahn. What's happening, everybody? And welcome to the 2021 college football season. And folks, if you thought this podcast lacked preparation in the past, challenge accepted. But for that reason, I've brought on two guys that are always ready to rock. Happy to welcome back to the show, Tommy Vegas and the original Danny Dimes. How are you doing, fellas? Doing well, Steve. Good to be back. Usually we're uh, on towards the end of college football season. So nice to uh, kick it off with you before we uh, get some football started this year. What's up, guys? Good to see you both. Um... Thanks. You know, after it only took a couple of years, Steve, but eventually after pitching a uh, college football preview podcast, you finally listened to my pleas. It's, you know, I, I should have done it a long time ago. I think the, the final the final uh, straw here was just my laziness and, and the, the daunting task of, of carrying uh, a show alone. I might listen. This could this could become a three hander all the way through the season. If you guys are up for it, we'll have to see how it goes. But listen. The reason we're here, in addition to to covering the landscape of college football and just getting the people fired up as we head into week zero, is we're going to make the people some money. Now, usually when we get together, we do make the people some money as long as those people are smart enough to listen to only me. Now, they say fade Steven in September and ride him in November. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it doesn't, you know, maybe this, this, this threesome doesn't work so much. Uh, when, when it's at the beginning of the year and, and maybe you guys will bring more to the table, but, uh, I guess, you know, let's just, uh, let's just talk a little bit just about the landscape of college football as we head into the season and just kind of frame what maybe will be, um, driving some of our expectations and predictions. And really it's an interesting college football season because, you know, by, by any measure, the top three programs in college football right now and over the last several years have been Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State. And all three of those teams are major revamps, uh, mostly on both sides of the ball, though Clemson and Alabama bring back a lot on defense, I guess. But all three bringing new quarterbacks uh, with varying levels of experience into the fold. Alabama loses a first-round quarterback, a first-round running back, two first round receivers. I, it's, it's, that's, that's about as big a, a big a loss as, as you're going to see. But then some of the teams that you're wondering, you know, are they poised to step up? You're thinking the Notre Dame's Texas A&M's of the world. They're also bringing in new quarterbacks, Florida, same thing. Um, so is, is a team like Georgia or a team like Oklahoma waiting in the wings, maybe ready to step up? Tommy, what do you think? Is this, is this a year where someone outside of that big three can step up because of the turnover. I mean, it's a similar conversation that I feel like we've started every year for the past few years. There are these teams perennially at the top. You know, they don't rebuild, they reload. They've been able to have sustained success as they churn through, you know, NFL talent after NFL talent. And that hasn't changed. I think each year the conversation is going to be, can somebody else do it? And I think, the answer is not definitively no. I think the teams like Oklahoma and Georgia can certainly be in the conversation, you know, and wouldn't surprise anybody if, if they, you know, competed for a national championship 
But then again, on the other side of the coin, nobody's going to be shocked if it's a Clemson, Alabama rematch in the championship once again. So I think a new year, a little bit of a same story, but excited nonetheless to see how it shakes out. So as we build our way to our playoff predictions and national championship picks and maybe Heisman predictions, why don't we go conference by conference, kind of put the building blocks together and start to paint the picture of what we expect this season to look like and, and see where, where that takes us. So Danny, what, uh, what conference, what power uh, five conference do you want to start with to get us going here? Let's work backwards. So I've, Done a lot, listened to a lot of podcasts and done a lot of research on the Pac 12, uh, primarily because the Pac 12 after dark is of a lot of interest to me. It's usually after a full day of imbibing in adult beverages, and usually my wager size increases the later the day goes on. So I figure this year, if I know a little more about the Pac 12, it may help my wagering later on in the evening. And, and what have what have you learned so far? What, uh, what are some of the key take without necessarily getting into, you know, predictions on records, but what are just kind of some of the themes that, that you're, you're bringing in into the season with you? Honestly, I think, I think the PAC 12, if you just look at, look at it as a whole, um, I think it's wide open. I would not be surprised if four or five, maybe even six teams are competing, um, you know, to win the PAC 12 overall. I mean, you do have some, some interesting quarterbacks. Um, you have Brewer uh, moving over to Utah from Baylor. Uh, you know, another year of DTR at UCLA. Um, I know Slovis, I, I've seen some, some love for him as a, uh, you know, as a dark horse for Heisman. Um, and then Oregon has the, uh, the kid that transferred from, from Boston College. So, um, you know, I think it should be, should be an interesting conference. Um, you know, maybe not the Pac-12 that we've known to come and love of years past when when points were, you know, when both teams were lighting up the scoreboard. I think you you will see some some pretty solid defenses in this conference. So, uh, you know, excited to see what uh, you know what happens this year in the Pac-12. It, you mentioned Anthony Brown, the quarterback uh, at Oregon this year, and I was just kind of shocked to see that he was their quarterback. I mean, this is a team that is doing everything right in terms of stepping up and, and making, making the steps in that direction in order to become one of the, the very top teams in the country. And a, a program that's been known for dynamic quarterbacks year after year after year is all of, a, all of a sudden starting a guy that was not particularly productive at Boston College and wasn't, you know, wasn't good enough to keep that job. It's just a very strange situation. I mean, Tommy, you're, you're a local what uh, what do you make of of Anthony Brown's ability to to lead the Ducks this season? I mean, I think first of all, you can't really judge a uh, quarterback's potential running an offense under uh, Adazio in the the recent years of of BC. I mean, I feel like that program was kind of just a mess, and Brown actually did show some flashes uh, when he was at BC. I don't think he got any notoriety or attention because BC stunk. But uh, I think he has the tools. He has the athleticism. It's a kid who's been around college football for a while. He's come back from two pretty significant injuries. So I think the big question mark is, is can he stay healthy? But from a talent perspective and kind of experience and leadership and being able to, to run the ship at Oregon, 
I actually think uh, he might be a decent guy to have at the helm for the Ducks this year. They also yeah, have sure. a couple of, Go ahead, Danny. Yeah. I was going to say, they also have a couple of big-time recruits, you know, waiting in the wings behind him. So if he does fall flat on his face early in the year, uh, you may see one of those freshmen step in and, and take the reins. Yeah, I mean, we, we've certainly uh, – it seems like the learning curve keeps getting uh, flattened at, at the quarterback position just given everything – uh, going on, although, you know, I think this is going to be another tough year for, for college freshmen, just given sort of the, the impact to their high school seasons uh, last year amid COVID. So could be could be harder for, for some freshmen to, uh, to step up and, and take the reins there. But looking, uh, looking at the Pac-12 North, I guess, Danny, is there, is there a, who do you like to come out of the Pac-12 North? Because Oregon, who I'd argue is, is the most talented team in the group, you know, when I'm looking at their conference schedule, they go to UCLA, they go to Washington, they go to Utah. You know, those, if, if I think if you flip their home and away schedule, they could potentially run the table in the Pac-12. And, you know, just kind of given the way these games falls, you know, you're putting some of their tougher games on the road and, and that could be a challenge for them. But, but who do you like taking the, the Pac-12 North? Yeah, I have Oregon. I already, that was one of the first bets I put in Oregon over nine wins. Um, they have, uh, what's the guy's name? Thibodeau, who's a top five, top 10 potential draftee next year in the NFL. Um, they always have a solid offensive line. So if, if Brown can give them anything, I think they do have some, some skill position players that, that should make the, the offense pretty respectable. But um, yeah, I have Oregon winning that, that conference. Tommy, what do you what do you think in the uh, in the north? Yeah, same thing for me. As as we get deeper into our conversation here on the podcast, you'll you'll find that I'm I'm high on the Ducks this year. I like them out of the north. I think you know the first three teams that Danny mentioned when we jumped into the Pac-12 discussion were all from the south. So I think the north is the weaker of the two divisions. You know, I think Washington's supposed to be pretty good, but. Um, I like Oregon and I think their path to the Pac-12 championship is, is pretty, not easy, but, um, you know, pretty manageable. And I like them to come out of the North. Yeah. I mean, both, both Oregon and Washington are going on the road to, uh, to play big 10 teams early in the season, uh, Oregon playing Ohio state, Washington playing Michigan. So we should get a better idea about both, uh, pretty early in the season, but I'm actually leaning Washington coming out of the North here. Just again, it, it comes down to looking at their schedule and, and I'm just going to read off their Pac-12 schedule, but it's Cal. It's at Oregon State. It's UCLA. It's at Arizona. Right now, I say 4-0 there. At Stanford, I don't think Stanford's a strong team. That could be 5-0. And then they get Oregon at home. They get Oregon and Arizona State back-to-back at home. Um, I just, I think the way the schedule falls and they're home and away, I really think that's the difference. And I think that's an important thing to look at here. Uh, when, when you get down to it, um, trying to, trying to predict, cause you know, there's going to be an upset somewhere. And, and, you know, if, if Washington is say nine and one on the season and goes out to Colorado and loses, that wouldn't surprise me at all, but just playing the numbers and, and looking at where we are with the home and away splits, I I've got to go against you guys and, uh, and, and take the Huskies in the North, but let's, uh, let's talk about the South where uh, there's, there's, I would say four really interesting teams here. Uh, so, so Danny, what's, what's your take on the South? Oh, it's so tough. I, I really like UCLA and I really like Utah. Um, 
I would say I, I trust the I trust the quarterback coach combo and the defense better at Utah. So so I would lean Utah. Um, I'll probably have some of their over eight and a half win total for the year. I mean, Whittingham's a great coach. Um, their, their defense is, is pretty stacked. I, I think UCLA could be pretty exciting. I mean, I, they, they, they kind of ease into the schedule week one. They're a big favorite against Hawaii. Um, you know, from what I've heard, I know there was some injury issues or COVID issues with DTR in the off season. Uh, it sounds like he's healthy, the quarterback on UCLA. Uh, you know, another year of the, the Chip Kelly system. Uh, they lost a lot of close games last year. I think their four losses were by a total of about 15 points. That tends to even out year to year. So so maybe they, they do win some of those close games this year. Um, week two should be interesting. I don't know if you you looked at the lines yet, but they play, uh, I think they're home against LSU week two. But Steve, any idea what that spread is? Uh, I would say it's probably about, I would say it's probably about 13 and a half. Minus four LSU. LSU is only a four point favorite at UCLA. Yep. The, the odds makers are, they're pretty high on this UCLA team or they're down on LSU. Maybe it's somewhere in the middle, but I was, uh, I was pretty surprised. When I saw that guy took a nine and a half point whiff on my first guess of the season. <laughs> a little bit. That, that was a tough one. I, I would have guessed double digits. Um, hmm. <laughs> well, I guess I guess it's funny because I well, no, we don't need to go down an LSU rabbit hole, but that's that's an interesting one right off the bat. Yeah, you mentioned uh, quarterback Charlie Brewer. Uh, he was at Baylor. Um, you know, he he certainly knows how to sling it a little bit, so could bring uh, could bring some firepower to the Utes for sure. There, Tommy, where are you? Uh, where are you when it comes to the North? I mean, to the South, I'm sorry. To the South, nothing would surprise me. Uh, this isn't somewhere I'm going with my money, you know, preseason. Um, you know, I like Utah, like Danny mentioned. I think they have a solid core and, you know, historically it's been a team that I've liked kind of watching and rooting for. Um, you know, USC has high expectations as usual. Clay Helton is definitely on the hot seat. Wouldn't shock me if kind of their talent won them the South. Um, I just think it's, it's too uncertain and nothing would surprise me that I'm not, not going to wager on, on anyone coming out of the South, but uh, you know, USC, Utah, Arizona state, UCLA, all teams that, you know, could be there on um, the end of the regular season. Yeah. I would have been ready to jump all over uh, Arizona state before sort of this scandal for lack of a better word. Uh, broke out there and you know just kind of you never know with Herm Edwards sort of what what's going to transpire and how that's going to impact the team and and who's even you know our, our, our coach is going to have to be fired in the middle of the season so otherwise I would be uh, I'd be riding Jaden Daniels and and the Sun Devils but I'm, I'm going with USC here uh, and and I'm sure I can think of one listener in particular who's who's probably chuckling uh, you know calling me a USC homer because uh, I do like the Trojans every year so I you know fight on why fight it but uh, again I just I, I like the way their schedule breaks they do have to go to Arizona State but they get Utah at home which is a huge deal um, and it's just not I don't know it's not that tough uh, when I look at the schedule, I mean, going to Cal is not, not going to be a big problem for him. I just think with Slovis and those receivers, 
it, if, if their offensive line can give them anything at all, I expect this to be a really good team. I think, uh, I think they win the division. I think they win the conference. So where, I don't know, Danny, I think you might, have you might've tipped in and you actually both might've uh, tipped your hands a little bit. Do you both have Oregon winning the PAC 12, uh, overall? I do. So I'm going to have, uh, I'm going to have those three win total overs UCLA over seven us, or sorry, Utah over eight and a half. Oregon over nine, and then I will have Oregon winning the, the Pac-12. All those odds are pretty close. I, I think they're like plus 250 to win the Pac-12. Uh, I got you. I'll just, just you know, on my on my chart here, I've got you two pushes and a win there. I've, I've got UCLA at seven and five. I've got Oregon at nine and three, and I've got Utah at nine and three as well. So, hey, two pushes and a win will make you make you some money. And, and Tommy, you have, you have Oregon over who in the uh, – are you landing on USC? What, what, or you just not? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I had to pick, I would take USC and I'm taking Oregon to, to win the league. Um, I had that written down at plus 250 as well. Um, I do like the over nine, but also wrote down that, you know, if, if you think some crazy stuff might happen in the rest of the leagues that we're going to talk about, uh, Oregon to make the college football playoff is plus 650. Uh, so I don't hate a little sprinkle there because if they, go over that nine and win the pack 12. They're certainly going to be in the conversation. All right. I, uh, I can't argue with that. Um, it, it's, do you now here's a question and it's a, and it's something that I'm going to bring up a little bit later about what I think one of my favorite bets of the year will be. Do you wait until that Ohio state game to make an Oregon bet and potentially get a better number if they lose? Yes. That the the opening line I think in that game was like thirteen or fourteen, so um, it would be it would be pretty surprising if they're able to upset Ohio State. So uh, I can't see that number going anywhere. But uh, but um, yeah, I guess it depends how they lose that game too, because a close loss, you almost think it that's viewed positively in the eyes of a committee. Well, it's right. positively, but they'd still have to run the table to make the playoff at that point, you have to think. Right. But I guess, do you think you're going to get better or worse than plus 650 if they lose, you know, by single digits? I think better. I mean, especially you would think Interesting. that you would think what, what Danny said the line was like 13 and a half or something like that. Is, is that, or have you not seen a line? I'm, yeah, no, well, the, the pl- look ahead was either like 13 or 14. Yeah, I mean, you but would the, think the, the plus 650 is kind of factoring in that they're going to lose that game. I know, but it's, it's also theoretically factoring that they're, yeah. All right. I, I got you. That's a good point. Or either way, I'd wait. You just bet Oregon plus 13 and a half, and you can make both of those bets. So, they lose a close game and the number goes up. You can double double your bets. Double your- that is true. All right. That is uh, the book is closed on the Pac-12. Danny and Tommy take Oregon. I'm taking USC. Tommy, where are we going next? Um, uh, well, let's just move sort of geographically to the east and we'll go to the Big 12 next. All right. Tell me, uh, tell me any broad thoughts that you have about the Big 12. Um, so broad thoughts, a lot of the same kind of contenders at the top. Um, Iowa State is a team that I actually bet to win the Big 12 last year. 
they're getting probably even more buzz this year with almost everybody returning. You know, I think the hype is there and it's justified. Um, you know, we can get into lines and bets and things. I think it's a, they're going to be a tough team to find a way to get good money on in terms of a futures market. Um, but they're up there. And then obviously you have Oklahoma with Spencer Rattler back. Um, you know, I think they're going to be more of the same and ready to compete for a college football playoff berth and, you know, championship um, contender. And then you kind of have a lot of the, the middling teams um, that, you know, can win big, big games. I've had good teams in the past, but haven't really proven to be kind of elite. In, in recent years. Um, so that's kind of my, my high level thoughts. Danny, what are you thinking about the conference? Yeah. I mean, it's shaping up as a, a two team race between Iowa state and Oklahoma. Um, one thing I've been hearing a lot of buzz about is obviously a lot of people like Oklahoma to, to make the college football playoffs. Uh, I've been hearing a lot of buzz about their, their defense. And I think their coordinator is Grinch and, how he's going to you know, kind of right the ship there. And it won't be the, the same Oklahoma Sooners that are giving up 40, 50 points a game. Um, I'll believe that when I see it. I, I and, you know, when we get to the, the final four picks, you know, could see them making the playoff, but I just don't know that I trust their defense to, to beat any of those, those big boys. Uh, you know, let, let them prove me wrong. I'd rather be a, a year late than a year early. And, I mean, no mention, no mention of Texas bringing in Sark. Um, and I got to say, I, it's, it's one of the stupidest things you can do is get sucked into a bowl game performance. This kid Casey Thompson came into the bowl game against Colorado last year and just kind of lit it up immediately. Eight of 10 for 170 and four touchdowns in his limited action of work. They've got Bijan Robinson, one of the best running backs in the entire country. I mean, if you think Sark's not going to find a way to, to utilize these weapons, I don't know. I think this is going to be a dangerous team. I also think – I think Texas is just going to be all over the place. I think they are going to lose some absolute stinkers. Watch out week one at home against Louisiana. I think that is a big-time loss alert, the same Louisiana that knocked off Iowa State to start the year last year. Um so, so they could be starting 0-1 and, and Texas Nation is going absolutely nuts. Wouldn't surprise me at all to see them knock off Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry. We, we talk, sometimes people talk about Bedlam as a game that you never know what's going to happen. But then I always remind everyone, yes, we do know what's going to happen. Oklahoma wins that game every year. The Red River rivalry, on the other hand, it seems like the worst team wins quite a bit of the time. I'm just... I'm giving, I'm giving a bold prediction for the Big 12. Texas is going to beat Oklahoma this season. Uh, I'm, gl I'm glad you like Casey Thompson, but it's tough to put up stats from the sideline. Oh, is he, so, is he definitely uh, not starting? Well, everything that I've seen recently is that the indicators are that uh, that Hudson card is going to be the starter. If, if, that, if that is true, I take back everything I said because <laughs> – Casey Johnson is, I mean, unless, I mean, this Hudson card kid must be awesome to, to, to knock Thompson out of the top spot. Um, but, but that, no, that, that's important Intel and it changes, it changes everything that I think about the Longhorns. Um, so yeah, knock, probably knock two wins off of, uh, 
off of off of my prediction there. So, Tommy, what uh, what are some totals that stand out for you? Who do you like? I mean, it, this seems like a pretty clear cut Oklahoma Iowa State uh, Big Twelve championship game. Do any of us feel differently? No, I mean that's definitely where I went. Um, I think repeat of of last year's title match, and kind of because of that, you know, I'm looking at. Um, I just had it up odds to win the big 12. It was Oklahoma minus 170, roughly, was, you know, plus or minus Iowa state plus 250. I think almost you just wait till the championship game and you can get odds around that ballpark. You know, you're probably going to have to pay a little bit more juice if you want to bet Oklahoma, but as opposed to tying up funds for the entire season and betting on one of those two teams to win the league, just bet on the championship because most likely those are going to be the two competing for it. Um, you know, looking a little bit farther down uh, for totals over under win totals. The one that stuck out to me was Kansas state. I saw there over under at five and a half and I liked the over there. I think you've got Chris Kleiman in his third year. You've got Skylar Thompson and Deuce Vaughn both back on an offense that showed some flashes last year. You know, this is a team that's 2-0 and in their last two matchups against Oklahoma. Um, you know, veteran presence, coach putting in his, in his system and getting some of his guys in there. Um, I just, I like them to win at least six games and you might even have some cushion there. So that's kind of my favorite uh, future I'm targeting in the big 12. Just quickly, quickly on Kansas State. I, um, again, I like you by a half game there because I got him at six and six. So that's one where you're watching that first game against Stanford. And that means everything because I think you look at this schedule and, and you, you like their chance to start three and oh, and then you've got three pretty good looks at losses coming consecutively after that. And then, you know, and then from there on, you're sort of playing, you're playing for the life of your bet. So it's, it's definitely an interesting one. And then it would be a bit of a roller coaster to, I think, root for. Right. But you've seen this team steal one, steal a win that they have no business winning like the two Oklahoma matchups, you know, sure. in recent years. So I think this year, Oklahoma and Iowa state are, are good enough that, that they're, less likely to drop one maybe than in years past. Sure. But, you know, I don't, I don't put it past Kansas state to go on the road and, and beat somebody else in league. Yeah. Um, you know, so. Uh, and I like uh, it. And Dan, Danny, anything stick out to you? I don't know if you guys saw, but I had a huge smile on my face when Tommy mentioned Kansas state, that is by far my favorite win total of any conference. Um, I'll just, I'll give a couple of stats and then I'll talk about why I like Kansas State so much. Um, so for, for those people that are listening to this pod, I'm sure you're pretty informed, but for those that, that don't know, um, you need six wins to get bowl eligible. Um, so there has been, you know, if you just look back the last five years, um, the sharp gamblers have said, you want to play over teams with win totals between four and a half and five and a half you know, play them to make a bowl. And then you want to play under on teams with a bit higher win totals, eight, eight and a half, nine, play them back to six or seven. So, so teams with a win total of between four and a half and five and a half, the last five years in the power five conferences hit their over at a 68% clip teams that have win totals between eight and nine 
hit their under at a 65% clip over the last five years. So if you just threw everything else out the window and played overs on those teams, you know, over four and a half to five and a half and under eight to nine, you will have made yourself a lot of money. So that ties into the love for Kansas State. Um, Kansas State over is five and a half, needs six to get to a bowl. Um, you know, love the love the coach there, Chris Kleinman. Uh, he did win a, a bunch of titles at North Dakota State before coming over to Kansas State and replacing a legend. Uh, Deuce Vaughn, I think, is a, is a top half of the conference running back. Uh, I think their quarterback, um, Skylar Thompson, is a you know, probably a top five quarterback in that conference. So you have a, a top coach, you have a top quarterback. A good I hope player. he's a top five quarterback in the conference. There's 10 teams. <laughs> That's, hey, all I need them to do is, is 500. So there we go. I like it. I like it. You guys are talking me into this. We might have to do a little group action on this one because the more, the, the fact that you both love it, the more I'm looking at it, I, I might be even leaning to seven and five more so than the six and six I was originally on. This uh, we'll 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 talk off. We'll maybe talk offline, but this could be uh, this could be some 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 funds uh, going going towards this one. I, I like it a lot. So um, any any other specific one, Danny? Before we just kind of uh, lock in our conference champs here. Um, no, I'll, I'll I'll touch on Oklahoma when we talk about the conference champs. All right, well let's do it. Touch on Oklahoma. Yeah, so I guess to, to Tommy's point, I think they're like minus 170, minus 180 to to win the Big 12 Conference. That tends to translate to about a three-and-a-half-point spread uh, for the finals. I Absent Radler getting hurt, um, I don't see any way that Oklahoma doesn't make the, the conference championship. If they play Iowa State, I think last year they were like a six-point favorite. Um, so that's, you know, well above the, the three and a half, uh, what the money line would be. So I would say, you know, lock in Oklahoma now at minus 180. Um, and then you have a chance to hedge out in the conference championship if you want. If for some reason Iowa State doesn't make it, um, Oklahoma is going to be a double digit favorite in that in the conference championship against any other team. So I, I think minus 180 is, is still relatively cheap. And it gives you the opportunity to play the uh, play the 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 points hedge and, and hit that middle on on playing the points in Iowa State. I mean, we're thinking all the way ahead to uh, to like December first or something like that. But it's it's a fun. It's it's never too early to start thinking about middles. Tommy, uh, who do you have winning what seems to be a, a sweep for an Oklahoma Iowa State Big Twelve championship game? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I have Oklahoma. Um, but like I said earlier, I'm just not going to tie up funds, um, betting them at minus 180. It was, it was a five point spread last year, which I think translated to like roughly minus 210, minus 205 on the money line in last year's game. If Iowa State's going to be even more impressive as they're supposed to be, like maybe you get a similar little, little shorter line there. Um, but even if you have to pay extra, 30 points of juice or just bet them against the spread in the championship. If you really like them, um, I see no problem with that. So my pick's going to be Oklahoma, um, but it's a, it's a no bet for me. All right. I'll, I'll make it a clean sweep. We all have the same matchup in the title game. We all have Oklahoma winning it. So that's uh, that's three picks for Oklahoma winning the big 12. I guess uh, if we're going to keep moving geographically, let's go to the big 10 where, 
I think I think when you're looking at the discrepancy between the East and the West, it's it's getting maybe bigger than ever now with with Indiana becoming um, a relevant team and and you know Nebraska not living up to what was expected under Scott Frost. Um, you know, Purdue kind of looked like there was a chance they were going to make a jump there for a while. It didn't happen. So it's uh, it's another case of it's it's who is Wisconsin going to get to play? Uh, and, and it's it's probably, you know, is it is it Wisconsin, Ohio State again? Is this as clear cut as the Big 12? Are we looking at Ohio State and Wisconsin? Tommy, I'll go to you first. Uh, so I'm going to say no on the matchup, I think. You know, my favorite is is Ohio State. You know, I think they're what we talked about at the top, uh, reload, not rebuild. It'll be interesting to see what their new quarterback, C.J. Stroud, can do. Um, but, you know, high recruits, they have a lot of talent in that room. If he won that starting job, I think he'll be able to produce. And Ryan Day has proven to be a, a pretty good coach um, that can lead them, you know, with some new personnel. So, I like them on, on that side, um, but I'm actually going to go with Iowa just to be a little different in the West. Um, they're returning a lot of talent. You know, their quarterback, Spencer Petras, you know, experienced guy, had a pretty good season last year. You know, Iowa's never going to be flashy. Their style of football is never going to attract kind of a lot of entertainment or excitement. Um, but I think they're just going to be solidly good again. Um, and just looking at some of the, the bets or the odds I can get down on them, um, you know, with that, I like that. I'm not going to call it a coin flip with, with Wisconsin, but I certainly see a path to the Big Ten championship for them. So uh, that's uh, what I like coming out of, out of the West. What win total do you have available for Iowa? So – this is something I was going to talk about. It's listed at eight and a half, but if you look hard enough out there, you can get, uh, I saw over under six and a half conference wins at plus 135. So they played 12 games, nine conference games. They're, you know, um, if you assume that they lose when they go at Iowa State and win their two other kind of more easy out of conference matchups mm-hmm. you're getting minus 110 you know to win eight games essentially or seven games in the big t- big 10 right so give me the plus 135 just give me the nine big 10 games and you got to go seven and two in those okay so you're essentially you're sacrificing the chance to beat iowa state correct okay i i at actually iowa I, state. that's Tommy, that's that's the kind of thinking that we're happy to be bringing to the Scoop and Score podcast listeners. That's really that's a good job. I think that makes a lot of sense. So what what's the difference in price on on those two bets? Because I do think that they are essentially the same bet when you're looking at a non-conference of at Iowa State home against Kent State and home against Colorado State. You got to think you're going to you're probably going two and one on that. So that's a minus 110 for over eight and a half. And I'm seeing plus 135 for the over six and a half uh, in conference. That's uh, we're, we're, we're making a note on that one. because We like that one. It, um, and I mean, it's that being said, it's a, it's a tough schedule that they have in conference. 
you know, they got to play at Wisconsin. Um, you're on the at home, which is, which is sneaky. Right. I mean, you know, Minnesota at home, Illinois at home, Nebraska way, those should all be wins, but at opening, Wisconsin. Opening with, Indi- opening with Indiana, which uh, not to, not to get ahead of ourselves, but I think, I think the Indiana hype train maybe slows down just a little bit um, when, when they have to roll in and, and play Iowa. Uh, cause, cause I agree. I, I like Iowa at nine and three this season. Um, so, so that all, that all sounds accurate to me. I just, I'm curious, I'm curious what, what you have happening to Wisconsin, uh, that, that doesn't get them into the, uh, into the big 10 title game. So I guess I'll, I'll just ask the question. Sorry, sorry to keep you quiet for so long, Danny, but I got to just go back to Tommy here. What, uh, where, where do you see the conference losses for Wisconsin coming uh, besides uh, Iowa? So Iowa, uh, Wisconsin is a little bit of a question mark to me. Um, obviously, you saw, uh, was it Mertz played somewhat decently as a freshman last year, but I still think he's kind of a young, a little bit of an unproven commodity there. And I just think their style of football, they can get caught as well. So, you know, going at Purdue maybe, or I, I kind of like Penn State to beat them okay, right on. Uh, in the first first weekend of September. So, you know, again, two, two losses with a head-to-head loss against Iowa is plenty to get it done, I think. I know that, that, that would probably uh... – that that would do it based on what we're expecting. So okay, yeah, no, that, that's fair. You know, the idea that they're not necessarily upset proof just because they're not always going to put up the points. I totally sure. get that. All right, Danny. Like, oh, go I ahead. just wanted like it's kind of even money. I think just straight up no odds. Wisconsin's probably the smarter bet. I just like the numbers and the value that I can get with Iowa, and might as well take that little extra chance for. You know, I, I don't think a huge drop in talent or expectations for those two teams. Sure. Danny, we haven't heard from you yet on the Big Ten. What uh, What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I think we, we can both agree that it's Iowa and Wisconsin at the top, and then there's everyone else in, in this division. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Wisconsin. I already have them winning this division at minus 115. Um, you know, I think if you look at Wisconsin's schedule, uh, they only have four road games and all four are very, very winnable. I mean, at Illinois, at Purdue, maybe that's their toughest one, but, um, I don't know. Purdue's not really, doesn't really scare me too much at Rutgers. That'll be a cakewalk. And then at Minnesota. Um, so any, any, Greg Schiano might be, uh, I mean, you're in, you're in his state. You might begin to knock on your door, calling that a cakewalk going into Piscataway. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'll go to that game. But um, yeah, and I think what, what kind of sways my decision is having that game against Iowa at home. Oh my God. What's that? None of this is recorded. You have you have the you have the backup recording, Tommy. Yeah, it's been recording the whole time. We're gonna we're gonna hope <laughs> find a way. We're gonna hope. I, I don't know what it means to just use the audio from the Zoom, but we're gonna we're gonna hope to God that that worked. If not, I'm I'm free tomorrow. We can read. Okay. Yeah. If 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 this doesn't work, 
the scoop and score podcast is over. I just, <laughs> we're, we're done. We're done. If, but anyway, and this will all stay in the pod that hopefully someday people get to listen to right now. I'd put it at about 50, 50. Uh, but if you're listening to this, then I guess it's a hundred percent, but uh, let's, let's continue. Um, yeah, no. So I, having that game at home, um, Wisconsin's about a four and a half point favorite against Penn State to open the year at home. I, I think they'll be, you know, about a seven point favorite against Iowa. I mean, I think Penn State's power rated higher than Iowa is. Um, so, so I, I'd lean with Wisconsin. Um, the only other thing that I would mention about this Indiana's in this division, right? Indiana is no Indiana's in the East. Okay, I'll save my Indiana comments uh, for after this. Okay, well, I mean, we can and we can move over to the East. I'll 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 get us started. I've got Wisconsin uh, actually at eleven and one, um, running the table in conference uh, with with their only loss uh, coming to the Fighting Irish out of conference in the East. Tommy made a good point that if C.J. Stroud beat out all of the quarterbacks on that Ohio State roster, he must be pretty awesome. Um, but then on the flip side, if you think too much about everything, you'll you'll you won't make any fun picks. And uh, for some reason, I think that uh, Ohio State goes ten and two this season. I think they drop one to Indiana, and I think they, uh, for the first time in a long time, drop their last game of the season. That's right. I've got the Michigan Wolverines at nine and three, but nine and three with a win against Ohio state and nine and three with an out of conference loss to Washington being good enough to sneak into the big 10 championship game, saving Jim Harbaugh's job for the season. So with that, I'm just going to quickly go to a question on Twitter uh, from listener, Tim, who is likely to be fired uh, who's more likely to be fired before season end, Clay Helton or Jim Harbaugh? I mean, I hate to give a cop-out answer. I don't see either being fired before season's end just because I don't think either USC or Michigan are the kinds of teams that are as likely to fire someone mid-season. Uh, but also when you combine that with the fact that I've got USC going 12-0 and and then winning the, the Pac-12 and I've got Michigan going nine and three and playing in the Big Ten championship game. I just clearly uh, don't don't see that either. But I guess if I have to give you an answer, who is more likely? I'll say Jim Harbaugh, just because of the fact that I do expect him to start one and one, uh, which, you know, if, if you think that's grounds for being fired, um, then then, you know, so be it. So just answering the question, who is more likely? I'll say Jim Harbaugh, but I don't. Uh, I don't think either is particularly likely. Either of you want to weigh in on that question? Well, I think I think Lane Lane Kiffin wants to have a word uh, just about your statement about <laughs> not being the type of school to fire somebody midseason. So that's a good. That's a he's, good. He's uh, calling from the airport tarmac right now. They've got a new. Uh, they've got a new AD in charge over there. Things seem to be a little bit more level-headed and uh, and even keeled at this point and i think it was uh i just want to commend you for only bringing up lane kiffin and not bringing up uh their their next coach after that who was fired mid-season uh for extenuating circumstances um danny danny any thoughts on that uh, all i'm gonna say is i'll be texting you when 
Ohio State's up 21 nothing against Michigan in the first quarter. So. I, and listen, I'm you know I won't be sad about it. So uh, so, so it's it's a text I'm looking win win for you either way. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. So yeah, let's let's call the shot and let's. Uh, I, I like Cade McNamara, former Notre Dame commit. Um, the kid the kid can the kid can manage a football game. I think they're going to bounce back a little bit. Uh, I think they've got a strong defensive line for sure. Probably a f- strong strong front seven in general. Um, and I just, I don't know. I think, uh, I think they bounce back just a little bit. So Danny, what, what's your take on the, uh, on the rest of the big 10? Does, does Ohio state cruise? Yeah, I, I think I hate to go with the chalk, uh, in this conference as well, but, um, yeah, I, I think Ohio state wins the East. Um, one, one thing that I, I had mentioned before, I think, you know, one of my favorite win totals, um, and I'll just remind the listeners, um, you know, win totals are, are one wager where it's actually beneficial for you to to pay more juice to get the best of the number. Um, I put this Indiana win total in at under eight. Uh, pretty heavy juice. It's about minus 150. Now it's at about seven and a half and like 110, 115 either way. I think getting that eight is, is huge. Um, you know, Indiana probably wins seven or eight games, but I don't see any way that they're winning nine and I'm, I'm going to be losing this bet. Um, I mean, their, their quarterback, what Penix is pretty good. Um, from what I, I read before he's torn his ACL, the same ACL two years in a row. And he's had season ending injuries in three straight years. Come on, what are the, uh, what are the odds of going four for four, Danny? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't want to go into a season with, with a quarterback and a little depth behind him who's been injured every year. Um, you know, they did go six and two last year. I don't think they really had any business winning that Penn State game, although I was on that side, so I was happy. Um, so that would have made them five and three. Um, and their schedule is, is pretty tough. I mean, uh, you know, just going through their games, I struggle to really to see them win eight and definitely struggle to see them win nine. I think they're going to lose at Iowa week one. They play Cincinnati. I think that's another loss. I'm very high on Cincinnati uh, at Penn state at Michigan home against Ohio state. Um, and then they have a couple of other games on the road that could be tricky. I mean, at Maryland, at Purdue and at Western Kentucky, who I'm also relatively high on. So um, yeah, I, I see them probably winning about seven games. Yeah, you're. I mean, everything you're saying. I, you know, five incredibly losable games on on that schedule, and a few others that uh, that could lean either way. I've got them at eight and four, but I, I certainly think you make uh, some pretty good points there, Tommy. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, nothing else that we haven't uh, already covered. You know, in this conference, um, you know, I think my favorite over under is the Iowa one that we talked about. Um, Nothing else to add. All right. So who do you uh, – you both have Ohio State. Uh, Dan, you have Ohio State over Wisconsin. Tommy, you have Ohio State over Iowa. Correct. And I've got Wisconsin uh, over the Michigan Wolverines. So you guys you guys are three for three on, uh, on having the same champions. I've only, I only matched one of them with you so far. So we're, uh, we're looking at pretty different outlooks so far. Um, Danny, I'll let you choose. You want to go to the ACC or you want to go to the SEC next? Let's, let's go to the SEC since that's my second favorite win total. All right. And why don't you lead us off? Who, who, who is your second? So this is after Kansas State. 
uh, over five and a half. Who is your second favorite? Um, this is my maybe number one favorite win total. So I'm interested to see if Danny has the seven one. Um, so Kansas State is a double dimer. Uh, b- b- before before you say it, Danny, is we don't say the team, don't say the number. Do you like an over or an under? Over. Tom, no, I like an I like an under. Oh boy, do I hope it's the same team. <laughs> <laughs> I I I don't think Tommy's dumb enough to go under on this team, but. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure the people are, are waiting on the edge of their seats to hear this. Uh, I love Ole Miss this year. Um, over seven and a half. Another year of Lane Kiffin. Um, you know, when we get to the Heisman talk, I'll, I'll talk about Matt Corral, who I think is a is a Heisman dark horse. Um, you know, I think if you look at the schedule. Um, you know, they're nine and a half point favorite week one against Louisville. I'm counting that as a win. Austin P, Tulane, Arkansas at home, at Tennessee, and then home against Vanderbilt on senior day. So that's six very likely wins right there. Uh, I just need two more to cash this bet. Uh, home against LSU will be challenging, but I think that's winnable. Uh, at Auburn, I'm down on Auburn this year. Uh, I think Bo Nix is terrible and has been overrated his whole time in college. Uh, they have a home game against Liberty, which they'll be, you know, they'll be favored in. I know Liberty has a, a stud quarterback. Uh, home against A&M will be tough. And then at Mississippi State. I mean, at, at Alabama is really the only game, only game that is the definite loss. I would not be shocked if they win any other game on their schedule. Um, their offense is absolutely stacked. Uh, I love Kiffin's up-tempo scheme. Um, You know, this team in, I think it was a hurricane last year, because I had the under in this game, put up 48 against a stacked Alabama defense in terrible weather. Um, You know, the other thing about them. I just want to, I just got to, I got to jump in quickly. That Alabama defense was far from stacked at the point that Ole Miss played them last year. But in the rain to let up 48 points to, to Old Miss, I mean, I, I think that's that's pretty impressive. I'm not, I'm not denying it's a great offense. I just, you know, let's there there's there's been Alabama defenses of 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 2010 through 2014, and there was the Alabama defense of 2020, and they were not the same thing. That's fair. I, basically, they weren't going up against UMass uh, on the road. I mean, it was at or home. I guess home against Bama, but still. Um, the other tidbit that I, I want to mention, there's two teams, and this is one of them, that I think I'm going to play their over uh, point total every game this year. So the over-under, I'm going to take the over in all 12 games. I find it hard to believe they don't go at least 7-5 and five over the number. I mean, just looking back at their schedule last year, they had nine regular season games. Six of them had at least 75 combined points three of them over, had over a hundred. So imagine a full off season of the same quarterback and coach last year was a, a weird off season with limited practices and COVID. Um, so I think this team is absolutely stacked on the, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Kiffin also came out and said his players are hundred percent vaccinated and without getting into too much of a conversation about that, that minimizes the risk of them forfeiting a game. Uh, which is unfortunately something we still need to consider this year. Um, so love their over seven and a half win total and love their over, uh, you know, in every game this year. 
I appreciate you not wanting to get political. I doubt we have a lot of unvaccinated listeners um, for subscribing to this podcast, but hey, if we do go out there, get vaccinated, you know, do, do what you need to do so we can have college football season. Uh, uh, Dami, what sticks out to you? You said your favorite total. Um, you said it's an under. Before you say what it is, I mean, just looking across my board, I mean, I've got a, I've got a two and ten Vanderbilt, I've got a three and nine Arkansas. Um, what uh, is is it either of those, or is it a, is it a better team where you're uh, just finding so value? It's, it's probably a little bit higher up your list, kind of middle of the road in this conference. Auburn. It's going to be Auburn. I like the the under seven. And I obviously, I'm, I'm with you. I'm at six and six. You know, obviously we're looking, you know, for winners on this, on this podcast. And, you know, we're not interested in tying up our money to get a push at the end of the year. I think this is a free roll for an under, you know, they have a tough schedule. Maybe they get to seven wins. There is no chance this team gets to eight wins with the schedule that they're playing. So Give me the under seven. I think it's juiced up. Like Danny was mentioning the juice earlier, but just get that seven. I think at worst case, you're pushing. Um, you know, new coach. They have Bo Nix, who's been around and you know has been hyped up and kind of proven that he hasn't been able to really do that much. I, I have no faith in him leading that offense, and I think they're just going to be a little bit uh, instilling a new system and. Um, you know, it's a tough league. So give me their under seven. Um, that might be my favorite, even a little bit more than Kansas state in terms of over-unders. There's no, there's no concern that they could go win at Penn state. I mean, even if they do, they win at Penn state, there's a path to eight wins. So they have to win three of at Penn state home against Ole Miss at Texas A&M and home against Alabama, I believe. They're not beating Old Miss. Well, I mean, there's there's three other four non-cons or wins. Okay. Sure. Akron, Alabama State, Georgia State. Okay, and then right. let's give them for the sake of argument at Arkansas. Okay, so that's four. And home against Mississippi State. Okay, five. Now they need three so, out of at South Carolina, home against Ole Miss, at Penn State, at Texas A&M. Home, home against, against Bama. Right. That's basically what I just said. Yeah, but, you, I mean, you, you left that out South, at South Carolina, which was a pretty key that's, – that's the one that they were most likely to win. I don't know. I, I like it. I'm with you. I'm probably going to ask uh, – we're, we're going to see about maybe, maybe – uh, double dipping there i just there's a path i don't want to lead i don't want to lead the listeners astray there's a path to eight and four sure but i i like i, I mean like, i also don't i yeah i don't think they're going to be penn state at penn state i don't uh, think they're either yeah. well, great that, I think might be, that might be penn state's whiteout game this year so and they they usually, really I think they usually do that in conference. Don't I, I guess I'm not enough of a Penn State historian, but don't they typically go in conference for the whiteout? Typically, yes, and typically it's against Ohio State, um, or it has been more recently. Uh, but I, I don't know. One of the podcasts I listened to said uh, 
they think I don't think it's been announced, but they think it actually might be that Auburn game. Got it. Interesting. Um, is this the same podcast where they talk about the length of the grass at Notre Dame Stadium? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe a grain of salt on that one. Although, again, I give them a lot of credit because they uh, clearly remembered to press record uh, before uh, starting their podcast. Um, Tommy, I'm wondering if uh, I'm wondering if, if if the conference over under is available for Georgia the way that uh, you had it for for Iowa. There is that a, is that a number you have readily available by any chance? Give me a second, and I will uh, look it up. I'll uh, I'll just say I mean this is a conference. I'll I'll now just get into the big picture. I think it's going to be more of the same. I, I think I look at Alabama's schedule and I don't see a loss on it. And I look at Georgia's schedule and the only loss I see on it is potentially to Clemson. So I, I think we're getting a real powerhouse matchup in the SEC championship game of Alabama and Georgia. I don't think either team drops a game in conference and it's possible that neither team drops a game until that SEC championship game. Um, you know, I, I kind of want we, – we haven't said a word about Florida yet, and I kind of want to like Florida this year. I, I think Dan Mullen's a really good coach, um, but they lost as much as Alabama did, um, you know, and, and they're not retooling quite to the same level. So I think there's definitely been some concern there. I don't quite understand some of the excitement around LSU, um, you know, it – I, I certainly see the path, but until they start showing something, um, I'm not totally understanding where that excitement's coming from. And Texas A&M, you know, the defense should be should be solid, but a new quarterback, I just I don't know. There's there's definitely some they're they're a step below. So I think this is uh, there's there's clearly the two elites in the conference. And I don't think anyone's touching them. One of you tell me why I'm wrong on uh, on either of those teams. Steve, just on the LSU point, I'm just looking up the, the conferences here. It says LSU is not eligible for postseason play. Is that just bowl games? They, they still can win the, the SEC? Do we know? This, this has to have happened before. Um, Ohio, State, Ohio State did not play in the Big Ten championship game in 2012. I don't believe. I think that's when we got that Wisconsin-Nebraska game. Okay, so that's one less team that you have to worry about in the SEC West. They do have listed odds to win the SEC. I also the didn't know that. I'm looking are at. we sure that that – are we yeah. sure the bowl ban is, is – do they definitely have a bowl ban this year? I'm, a, I'm on the SEC website or SEC Sports website, and it says they're not eligible for postseason play, but doesn't provide any other details. It does feel like something we should know um, on this podcast – but, you know, we're just going to let it ride and say that we don't know for Are sure. Are you sure you're not on the SEC basketball website with uh, Will Wade and his uh, history? Uh, football. Anyway, but, uh, but yeah, no, that's uh, it's a good point to bring up. Unfortunately, we don't have a clear answer. And I, uh, I invite all of our listeners to do that research um, themselves and, and come to their own conclusions about what games LSU is allowed to play in. But uh, do either of you see a situation where we don't have an Alabama-Georgia SEC title game? I'm really looking not. for I'm looking for an opportunity to fade Alabama. I just 
I don't know that I trust Texas A&M, um, you know, with a new quarterback stepping in. I'm going to say, I'm going to say no. You want to know the dumbest thing um, that you can do in college football betting? What's that? Bet against Alabama. <laughs> yes, that's very true. Now, with that, I am going to announce that I do have Georgia winning the SEC title game. Um, so, uh, so, so I am taking Georgia. I just think, you know, JT Daniels uh, started to show what he was capable of last year. Uh, they, they've been recruited. I mean, we, I don't talk about recruiting a ton on this podcast because during the season, recruiting takes a back seat. But they have been recruiting at the level of these very top teams. They've been recruiting at a high, really higher level than any. It's really been them and Alabama at the tops of recruiting the last like five years. They have loaded that roster with enough elite talent to go toe to toe with anyone. And I just think the experience of JT Daniels and just kind of the, I mean, I, I, I hate to talk about kind of intangibles and things, but just the hunger that has to be in Georgia to get over the hump. I think this is, is their opportunity. I think, you know, it's hard for Alabama to, to stay on top year after year after year. Now, when I say stay on top, that could mean like falling to third or fourth. They're obviously elite, elite, elite every year, but it's hard to stay on top. You know, we've seen the stats about AP preseason number one and winning the national championship. It almost never happens. I think Georgia steps up. I think Georgia knocks off Alabama in the SEC championship game. Uh, what do you guys both think it's going to be Alabama, Georgia? So, so who are your picks uh, when we get to uh, get down to, to Atlanta for the, for the SEC title game? Yeah, I thought I was going to be a little bit on a limb here, but I'm also taking Georgia uh, to win the, the SEC championship, kind of for a lot of the same reasons that you just mentioned. And I'm sure this won't be the last time we mentioned JT Daniels on this podcast. Um, so I'll save that for later, but um, <laughs> Just to go back to the numbers looking up, you can get over seven and a half for both Georgia and Alabama at pretty much the same price, plus 132 for Georgia and plus 125 for Alabama to go undefeated in the SEC. I love it. I absolutely love it. Looks like we're going to be unanimous. I'm, uh, I'm on Georgia as well. Um, it It is going to be – I mean, obviously, we, we all know Georgia's defense is, is stacked year in, year out. Steve, you mentioned it. If you just look at the recruiting numbers, they're actually recruiting over the last couple of years at a higher or better rate than than teams, even like Alabama. I mean, they, they typically have a top three to five recruiting class each year. Um, the one thing that's different about about them this year than past years is they have a quarterback that they trust, that they last year in a limited sample size, you know, really opened up the playbook and, and let them air it out more. Um, Cincinnati's defense was one of the top in the nation. He threw for 400 yards against them. Uh, he had another game where I think he threw for over 400. Uh, I heard some stat that Georgia quarterbacks, and I don't know if this is true, I have to verify it, but Georgia quarterbacks over the last five years have four total 300-yard games, and JT Daniels had two in very limited time last year. So uh, opening up the playbook, not being as predictable, you know, running, running, and then leaving them in third and longs, um, I, I think will, will lead to a step change in their offense. And, you know, their defense, despite losing uh, the next Lawrence Taylor in Aziz Ologilari, um, I think will, will still be stacked. 
I like it. I think we, uh, I think we're all, I kind of think we're all over the SEC. I, 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 Georgia, Georgia to win. We're, we're, we're a sweep there. We like Auburn under seven. I like both Georgia and Alabama undefeated in conference. And uh, uh, Danny, remind me again, you like, you like the Ole Miss over, which scares me a little, but, uh, but let's just ride the momentum where we're, we're going to be right about everything. And then one, one future I feel like you'll like if you like them to win the conference. Georgia's plus 175 to make the playoff. Uh, I think there's two paths. Either you beat Clemson and then lose in the SEC championship or the reverse of that. You lose to Clemson and you beat Alabama in the SEC championship. I think both get them in. I think plus 175 is a great price for it. I, I agree, and, and I'll get into this in a little bit more detail or maybe I'll bring it up now because we're about to be talking about the SEC. One of my favorite bets of, of all is going to be betting on whoever loses that Clemson-Georgia game to win the national championship. And, you know, do you want to try and play around with that with the playoff odds as well? And, and maybe you just, you know, maybe you don't want to risk it. And then if Georgia wins that game, they've got such a clear path that you want to get them. You want to lock in the number now. And if you're getting plus money, I like it a lot. So, so maybe that is a, a good idea to, to lock it in. Um, Cause yeah, there's, there's a path even with a loss um, and, and with a win, that number is going to be shrinking significantly. So I mentioned Clemson, let's go over to the ACC, a, a conference that's been absolutely dominated by Clemson over what feels like nearly a decade at this point. Um, you know, North Carolina certainly has some people excited with Sam Howell, uh, DR King coming back, uh, seems to be healthy coming off of the injury, um, at the end of the year, last year for Miami, uh, any, any surprise teams for either of you, uh, Tommy is, is there anyone doesn't necessarily need to be a surprise, you know, that, that could really jump up and challenge, but who stands out relative to, uh, to what Vegas seems to be expecting. So I'll just start out with, uh, kind of the, the over-under that I circled for this league. I'm, I'm going back uh, local to my backyard, and I'm going to take BC's over. Um, I really like Halfley coming in second year. They got Dracovic and Zay Flowers back, who showed flashes last year. I think they're going to be able to score. I think Halfley's going to build a program there that's kind of get, going to get them out of the funk that they've been in for the last few years, you know, including the aforementioned Anthony Brown era. Um, you know, if they could be a seven five team with Adazio, I think that's the floor with Halfley. Um, so betting there over again, I feel like push is kind of worst case scenario. Obviously, you know, they could get upset and, and only win five or six games, but, I like the over for them to take kind of a step forward in their program. Um, and that's kind of, kind of where I've highlighted to get my money down in this conference because Clemson at the top, I don't see anybody challenge them to win the conference. And I don't love the odds kind of just betting to win the Atlantic, um, you know, which I think is going to be a two horse race with Miami and in North Carolina, which I'm sure we'll get into, but uh, my favorite future is uh, going to be the BC over. So is that seven flat, that number? Yeah, seven flat. Yeah. I love that as well. I mean, I've got them at eight and four, but a lot of that is just kind of conservatism based on them being BC. And also just I've 
I followed Jerkovic so closely, just obviously given that he was an ND transfer. And I try to pump brakes on him a little bit just because some of his numbers last year were he was just kind of slinging it up there and seemed to get lucky uh, more often than not. So I'm, I'm almost like being too conservative just because I'm scrutinizing, scrutinizing them so closely. Looking at the schedule, I mean, would you – I'm not offering anyone – you know, a hundred to one on them going 11 and one, you know, it seems yeah. it's incredibly possible that this team could go 11 and one. And, and I'm with you. I, I like that one quite a bit as well, because they get to finish at home against FSU at home against wake. I mean, if it's, if it's cold and neither of those teams were expecting to be, you know, high level teams, they might not want to be there at all. That could just be two easy wins to end the season. They get they go to Syracuse, who I expect to be just a complete I, what what is the term for something that a doormat? Let's call them a complete doormat. That should be an easy win on the road. I just I think there are opportunities here. I like I like that a lot. I mean, their non-conference is so easy. Yeah. I mean, not, you know, Missouri is not super easy, but they get them at home and the other three are super easy. I, yeah, I'm, I'm into this one quite a bit. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, Danny, is there, is there any uh, total in this uh, in the ACC that you really like a lot? Yeah, there, there's, there's two that I like, but, but before that a question for the, the two ND guys on, on this uh, call. Um, if Dracovic was still at Notre Dame, would he be starting over Cone? Or they Cone wouldn't Cone wouldn't be in Cone would not be enrolled at Notre Dame. So yes, if they're, if they're both there, would, who would be starting? That's a weird. Probably Jerkovic, but uh, it's it's a strange question to answer because you know Jerkovic would have been. If you're just asking who's the better quarterback, Jerkovic or Cone? Who do you who do you trust more? Ooh, <laughs> different question. That's a different question. I trust I trust Jack Cohn much more. I think Phil Jerkovic is is the better quarter. You know, he's he's certainly got the higher ceiling. Got it. Okay, that's fair. Um, in terms of my two win totals, I'm not going to go too in depth in these. Uh, I've heard a lot of sharp guys are on the uh, Virginia Tech under. Um, I think it's seven and a half. Ooh, I haven't been five and seven, so I like that quite a bit. Yeah, so I think week one is is interesting. It's a it's a relatively short spread home against North Carolina. I think they're only like laying uh, only getting five and a half. Uh, I think it's down to four and a half actually. Wow. Last I saw the money's coming in on Virginia Tech, um, and then the other one getting to my point about playing these middle of the pack teams to get the six wins. Maybe this is part of it with my heart because I want to see him succeed. You know, Mackenzie Milton is, if he is healthy, and I know he's coming back from a gruesome injury, um, you know, a big upgrade in terms of quarterback compared to what Florida State has had. Um, you know, he did a great job at UCF. You know, his numbers were, were outrageous, obviously. A different offense. Um, I trust Mike Norvell. Uh, so I could see them, you know, getting over five and a half. Those are sure. – since Tommy threw the bucket of cold water on me with uh, the Texas quarterback, I'm going to do the same a little bit here to you. Everything that I have heard, and I, I don't claim to be a Florida State insider, but, you know, I, I certainly I do a little dig. Notre Dame's got him first week of the season. So there's there's some information through some channels that uh, that I have access to. Everything I have heard suggests that Mackenzie Milton is not healthy. Um and, you know, they're, they're trying to be quiet about it at Florida State. 
And I could be wrong. He might come out and play, but everything I've heard is that if Mackenzie Milton plays football, he will not be playing nearly at the level that he was. And sounds to me like there's some people in his ear suggesting that maybe he should just be walking away uh, from the game while he can, uh, you know, he, he rehabbed, he, he's, he's healthy from a normal human perspective and that maybe he should be walking away uh, while he still is. But so that's just, uh, I would not expect to see a ton of Mackenzie Milton this season, but that Virginia tech one, man. So you, you're, you have seven and a half. I mean, I, I see, I see two. I just, I think Justin Fuente could be one of the first coaches fired this season. And I mean, yeah, I just going to BC, going to Georgia Tech, like that just seems like a losable game. Um, you know, they have Notre Dame on the schedule. They go to West Virginia. There's just a lot of games where a not great team could definitely drop a couple. So I, I see one, yeah, I mean, I see five wins on this schedule. Um, and and I, I, I don't expect Justin Fuente to make it through the season. So I like, I like that under quite a bit. And just one other, one other win total. I, I put this in as one of my first bets, the lines moved a little bit, but uh, if there's any rogue tens out there on North Carolina, uh, I love that under, I I don't see them getting to 11. I think 10 is their ceiling. Um, So a push at worst Uh, at nine and a half, I'd probably still lean under, um, but I'm not as confident as, as you know, with the 10. So if you have to pay more juice for maybe an alternate win total under 10, um, I'm a big revenge game capper. Uh, they blew the doors off Miami last year. Uh, Miami's going to be, you know, obviously another year of Derek King. Hopefully he's healthy. Uh, so I, I could see, I think it's at North Carolina, but I could see Miami going in and, and knocking them off. And then, uh, it, it is at North Carolina, not to tip my hand too much. I completely agree with you about Miami coming in and, and taking care of North Carolina this year. My problem with that, if, if you can't get it, uh, if, if, I am at 10 and two, just because again, I just don't see the losses. Um, it's, it's not, it's not a tough schedule at all. They've got Miami and Notre Dame back to back with a week off in between. And then unless you think they're losing at Pitt or losing at NC state to end the year, I just don't see where the loss is coming. But uh, you know, on the flip side, they lost to Florida state last year. I don't think that's going to be happening again this year. So um, so I do like them at 10 and two. Um, I think they're, you know, a little bit overrated by some people just because, you know, the, when you, when you have a quarterback coming back that people know, people tend to overrate you going into a football season, but they lost so much on offense. Um, their, their defense was a disaster for, for parts of last season, their offensive line. They just, there are too many parts of that team that need to improve. I think more quickly than they're going to be able to improve just because again, we, we talked about Georgia recruiting at the level that they've recruited at for five, six years. Now, North Carolina is just starting to ramp it up. So they don't kind of have the backlog of players uh, necessary to kind of make the jump on the offensive line and make the jump in some of the defensive spots. As much as I love me some storm duck, um, I just I don't see uh, I don't see enough um, in that in that North Carolina defense to to make a jump. Tommy, any any thoughts about the Tar Heels or or any of the the top contenders outside of Clemson? Yeah, I mean, I kind of mentioned leaning it off um, earlier. I think it's a, a two team race with that Miami, UNC. Uh, game in the was it the Atlantic um, 
the fact that it's at UNC probably would make me give the edge to UNC um, coming out of that division, but I'm, I'm on the same wavelength with both of you. And, you know, I do think Miami with Derek King um, will show some flashes. It's just, can they avoid some of the letdown spots that they've shown, you know, been prone to, to have over the last couple of years. So um, no additional thoughts there. I think it's, it's Clemson's Clemson's stroll to win the ACC. Do, do we think there's any chance Clemson loses a game in, in conference? Because they, their number is astronomical. They're minus 700 um, to make the, the college football playoff, which is absurd because they're a slight favorite against Georgia. So if they lose that game and win out, are they a lock to make the the, the final four? A lock, no, but they they would they probably would. I was I was shocked by the number. It's it's twice as high as any other team, twice as I'm, high as Alabama. I am also pretty shocked by that number, but I you know, otherwise they would be getting hammered. I think they'd be getting hammered with Clemson to make the playoff bets. So it's what they probably have to do. It's, it's I mean, could they slip up somewhere? Yeah, I mean they they have to go to Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, I guess no, no one saw them losing to uh, didn't they lose to Syracuse a couple of years ago? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, this is a team that has not been infallible in conference. So, you know, it's actually kind of fun. They're the one who does often drop a game, but still find a way. I just, you know, I don't know. I don't really see the spot where it happens this season. The, the, the team that I actually have pit beating is, uh, is Miami coming off of uh, Miami coming off uh, you know, a, a big win at North Carolina, then knocking off NC State as well. I then have them going and losing fit. But I do have Miami playing for the ACC championship. I've got Clemson over Miami. Danny, it sounds like you have the same. Begrudgingly, yes. And and Tommy, you have Clemson over North Carolina. Yeah, we'll just say that for uh, for differentiation's sake. And we like we like BC over seven, and we like Virginia Tech under seven and a half. Those both sound. Geez, I like too many things here. We're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to see because these are uh, these are long. It's too much to follow for one season. I can't just be uh, you know. I like I like the the Nittany Watch and the Mountain Range, but if all of a sudden I've got like five of these things, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to handle it. All right, we've gone through everything, um, so I'm just gonna read through our conference champions. Danny has Oregon. Oklahoma, Ohio State, Georgia, and Clemson. Tommy, and I apologize if this sounds familiar, has Oregon, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Georgia, and Clemson. And Steve has USC, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Georgia, and Clemson. So with that, folks, let's talk. Actually, well, we're, we're leaving a team out. So uh, let's let's go to the sixth and final power conference, I guess, and uh, talk about the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Tommy, uh, you and, and Danny, feel free to jump in here as well. I mean, I think this is a team that y- you start listening to, to some of the things that, that come out of the reports and, and they want to make me more and more optimistic. I came into this feeling not super optimistic about this season. Um, you know, Notre Dame has had one of the best offensive lines in college football dating back to about 2012, every single season. I'm not saying like in, in its entirety over that nine, 10 year span, they've had one of the best every single season. They have had one of the best offensive lines. 
And this year they're replacing, essentially replacing four guys. Uh, they're going to be starting a true freshman at left tackle. There's just a lot of concerns. I've got concerns in the secondary, um, you know, at receiver, which is all of a sudden now being billed as a strength. We're counting on a bunch of guys who have really produced nothing throughout their college careers. I have some real concerns. There are a lot of losable games on this schedule. Um, they're playing what, like four top 15 teams. If I let's, let's just go through it. I mean, they got Wisconsin, Cincinnati, USC, North Carolina. That is four top 15 teams on this schedule. I just think there are a lot of loss opportunities. Um, I'll get into it a little bit more next week, but I, I think opening at Florida state with a brand new offensive line is a very, very, very concerning place to start your season. I've got Notre Dame going nine and three um, and actually, you know, kind of mixing in some good wins with some not so good losses. Um, I'll just quickly, I'll, I'll give the season preview. I've got them losing to Florida state. I've got them losing to USC and I've got them losing at Virginia, uh, getting the wins against Wisconsin, wow. Cincinnati, and North Carolina. So certainly some good wins in there, and then just some kind of medium, not so great losses. Uh, so that's what I have. I got I got the Irish going nine and three this year. You know, some of the people saying find the loss. I don't see how they don't go eleven and one or better. I just don't see it. I think the culture's there. I think the program's in a great spot, but they have to take a little bit of a step back at some point. And the key is that that step back is a step back to nine and three and not a step back to four and eight, like we saw in 2016. Tell me, tell me what I'm wrong about. Tell me what I'm right about. Tell me what you think. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised by the games that you had them losing. I think nine and three is certainly within the range of likely outcomes, but I really don't see them losing to Florida State or Virginia. Um, you know, I get the concerns, but I do think the lens in which we look at Notre Dame seasons and teams now is different than it was five or seven or 10 years ago when we were students. I think the program has been established where we've taken a step forward, where those aren't the games that we're going to lose, which were games that we lost historically. Mm -hmm. We know them all too well. I still don't think we're at the point where it's playoff or bust. I think we can have a successful season and get some marquee wins. We have a very tough schedule and I don't think we can be super disappointed with nine and three, but I would be disappointed losing to a teams like Florida state in Virginia. So yeah, I, mean, I agree with you serious. bottom line. I kind of disagree with you kind of how we would get there, but um, you know, nine and three, 10 and two is kind of right where I would, would have them. Can they win every game on the schedule? Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. they'll be in it. I don't think anyone's going to blow them out or they'll be completely overmatched, but as we've said many times before, it's it's hard to win every game in the college football season. So, yeah, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but there are two streaks that they've had going for a long time. They haven't lost at home since that second game of the season in 2017 against Georgia. So, again, I don't know how many games in a row that is, but it's quite a few. And they haven't lost to an unranked team since 2016. So two big time streaks. And unfortunately, I expect them both come to an end this year losing at home to USC and uh and losing to an unranked team to open the season in Florida State but I hope I'm wrong if we do go 10 and 2 this season it's I think it's an announcement of hey like we have fully fully arrived as you know cemented their place in that second tier 
and and they're they're not on that top tier. It's a three team top tier, and Georgia's trying to get to that top tier, and we'll see in Oklahoma. But they are cemented in that group, right? You know, so far with Georgia and Oklahoma, um, if if they can uh, if they can get to two and two, ten and two in in what's a little bit of a rebuilding year. Danny, anything uh, from your perspective that are we being are we being ridiculous about anything, or from an outsider uh, perspective, is that fair? From an outsider perspective, I'd say you're you're in line with the the sharp betters. Uh, a lot of it sounds like a lot of money has come flowing in on Notre Dame under nine. The line moved to under eight and a half wins. Um, I think it seems reasonable. I, I'm just looking at the schedule now. I mean, the middle of the schedule is brutal. At Wisconsin, home against Cincinnati, at VTech, home against USC, and then home against North Carolina in five straight weeks. Um, yeah, with a lot of those teams coming off buys, I should. I was just not, about not to say, Notre Dame fan that's complaining about that because listen, it's part, it's part of life. We're not in a conference, and these conference teams, especially in our deal with the ACC, and I totally understand it. I would do the same thing. They are making their schedules so that these ACC teams are often coming off buys, playing us, and that is that is it. So it, it is a factor to build in as well. Yeah, six teams coming off by. If you're telling me their strength of the last nine or so years. You know, obviously it was their offensive line with a lot of, you know, high draft picks uh, is not going to be a strength this year. Um, you know, breaking in a new quarterback who I didn't think was all that good at Wisconsin and you lost your D coordinator. I like the guy they brought in from Cincinnati, Freeman, um, but but it might take some time to, to work his system into place. So um, now I think you're you're right to be cautiously optimistic or, or more realistic in terms of your, your win expectations for the team. I, I don't have them winning that Cincinnati game. Um, I can get to that later, but I, I think Cincinnati is, is going to be a tough game for, for anybody this year. I'm very high on them. Sounds like none of us uh, have Notre Dame in the playoff. Any of you have uh, Cincinnati crashing the picture or, or can we just move into our, uh, our college football. T- Tommy, I know, did you mention you had a group of five, uh, any action that you wanted to mention? I'll just go real quickly since we're running long. There are a couple of spots. You know how excited the people are going to be when they see like a two hour season preview? Again, it, they're either going to see a two hour season preview or they are going to get nothing. <laughs> this has not recorded and the podcast has been retired. But what do you got? Um, so a couple things. Uh, call back to uh, the last time we were on these airwaves, uh, Conference USA. I think the two of you were just uh, a year early in uh, the team that you were picking to win that championship game last winter. Um, I really like Marshall and all, all that they're um, bringing back. So I know that I was on an island correctly in picking UAB uh, the last time we chatted about uh, Conference USA, but I really like Marshall at plus 400 uh, to win that league. I think they're in the easier of the two divisions. Uh, Definitely see them getting back to the championship game and probably going to be favored in that game. So um, I kind of like laying the plus 400 as a future there. Um, Looking at the Mountain West, I also like Boise State. Um, If I can get them at plus money, kind of same story. I think they've been kind of the – the cream of the crop in that league. A lot of people are, are high on some of the teams out of the, the mountain division, I believe it is, or 
Now they're in the Mountain Division. The West has Fresno State, San Jose State, um, San Diego State, and Nevada, who are all getting buzz. But I like Boise State to at least get to the championship. And if I can get them plus money to kind of lock that in, um, I like being able to have that come championship week um, later in the year. So those are kind of two spots that I had highlighted uh, in the group of five um, in terms of futures. Sounds good. Anything from you, Danny? Yeah, maybe I'll just add on a couple of, uh, you know, long shots and conference winners that, that I've heard good things for good things about, um, you know, Wyoming at 12 to one to win the mountain West um, Nevada, who I actually like, which would go against uh, Tommy's Boise pick at plus 500 uh, Carson strong as a pro prospect. I've, I've heard that he could go as early as, you know, late first or, or the second round in the, NFL draft if he has a good year this year. Um, so those are two that I'm looking at. Um, you know, Western Kentucky, I've heard that they have a really solid offense and 10 to one on them to win their conference is, is a pretty good number. Um, and then, yeah, I, you asked this uh, at the beginning or before you passed it over, Steve, I do have Cincinnati crashing the party. Uh, you know, I, I know I'll probably be on an island there. I absolutely love them to win the American conference. Uh, they're minus 200. Uh, so barring an injury to their quarterback Ritter, I think they're a near lock to make the AAC title game. Um, in that game, they're going to be well North of minus 200. Uh, if we think back to our bowl preview pod or the, uh, the championship week preview pod, um, that was my, my bet of the year was Cincinnati first, uh, first half minus seven or minus seven and a half. Some people got pushes, some people lost. So uh, I'll try to win you your, your money back this year. I, I, I don't see a way that that Cincinnati, um, you know, doesn't win that conference. But you took it a step further. You got them crashing the party. Do you have them, do you have them getting into the party or just crashing and showing up at the door and getting left out? Cause I mean, if you're, telling me that, if you're telling me they're getting in, it means they're, they're beating Cincinnati and Notre Dame in consecutive. I mean, sorry, they're beating Indiana and Notre Dame on the road in consecutive games. Is that is that what we're is that what we're saying here? That is what I'm saying. I I trust Ritter. He's gotten much better. Uh, you know, each consecutive year. That who's their coach? Fickle. Um, I think he's an outstanding coach. Uh, I know there was turnover at the D coordinator spot. I mentioned I love Freeman. Uh, they do bring back a lot of the same talent. Uh, and I think they brought in a guy from Michigan State who had historically had pretty decent defenses in the Big Ten. Um, so, yeah, I, I have them in my final four. We might uh, we might be – I rarely bet on Notre Dame. We might be wagering on the Notre Dame-Cincinnati game. Um, yeah. and, I, and I look forward to that. All right, so you, you started us off, Danny. Give me, uh, give me the rest of your playoff. Yep, so I have, uh, I have Georgia – I have Oklahoma. I have Cincinnati in not in any particular order. And then I was, I was really having a toss up between Bama and Clemson, but I'll, uh, I'll go, I'll go with, uh, I'll go with Clemson. Okay. So you've got, you've got 12 and one versus 12 and one with Clemson being an ACC champ and Alabama not being the SEC champ is, is really what you're going for there, I guess. Yeah, I, mean, I don't – Georgia maybe goes undefeated. Um, but I, I think 
whoever loses that first game next week runs the table, especially if Clemson loses. I, I think they definitely run the table. Um, and then, um, yeah, Georgie ha- has a liberty to drop one game and still make it in my eyes. Um, so, and I'm going to ask you for I'm going to ask you for a national champion. Kirby Smart's going to finally get it done. Uh, like I, I said before, I, I don't I don't trust Oklahoma's defense until they show it to me. So I, their offense is going to you know be explosive. They have a pretty soft schedule, so I, I think they're very likely to to make the college football playoff. Um, I think all around, especially if we we trust in JT Daniels, they're going to have a solid running game and a great defense. Um, yeah, I think Georgia could be the, the most well-rounded team in the nation. Tommy, what do we got for the playoffs? So it's going to be the usual subjects. Um, Bama, Clemson, Ohio State. You know, we talked about all of them at, at length and just getting in the path there. And then I have Georgia as well. Obviously, I have them winning the SEC. So I think there's two SEC teams. Um along with Clemson, Ohio State, you know, I think any one of those teams theoretically could win the championship. I think we're going to find out a lot about how good Bama really is and how good Ohio State really is with new quarterbacks and kind of new skill positions. So it's hard for me right now to say who I would like the best coming out of it. I think the best value that you get if you're putting the best Putting the bet in today is probably Georgia, like Danny said, and I could see myself rooting for them um, if it's those four in the playoff. If I have to make a pick, I'll make I'll make Georgia my pick today, but I really think you're going to learn about how elite Ohio State and Bama are with these new quarterbacks, and then I think the picture will start to form about who you really like going into that, that playoff. I just think they're elite enough to get there. And then in terms of who, who shines and who comes out is kind of yet to be determined. I, uh, I have Clemson. I have USC. I have Georgia. And I've got Alabama. And uh, I, think, I think Clemson and Georgia meet in the national championship game with a rematch of the uh, week one primetime matchup. And usually I like to take the team that lost the first matchup, but uh, in, in this in this version of the season, Clemson gets it done both times. I think, uh, I think you know, Georgia gets over the mini hump of, of winning the SEC, and they, they get to chant SEC and, and hold that trophy. Uh, but I think the Georgia fans stay, stay crushed for just a little bit longer. I... Uh, you know, a couple of these guys came back for, for Clemson, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I think really on a mission to uh, make sure the way they were blown out last year um, in the semis was was not the lasting memory. I think DJ Uyunglele is going to be awesome, um, you know, with a, with a full year of preparation. And uh, when, when we start talking about Heisman, I'll talk about both him and another player that I'll be getting into in just a little bit. But I think Clemson's going to be really good. So I will take Clemson to win the national championship. We've got two Georges and a Clemson and a nice, uh, a nice mix between the three of us. We have one, two, three, four, uh, five, six, seven different playoff teams. That's pretty good. Nice, uh, nice diversity. I, 
I have the outlier with USC. Um, Danny has outliers with both Oklahoma and Cincy. And, uh, and Tommy's the only one with Ohio State. So we all have at least one unique team in our playoff. Obviously, Tommy's being the chalkiest by far. Um, and with that, and obviously the Heisman is largely going to be uh, impacted by what we have uh, the various teams doing. I've picked four guys that I think, uh, and, and basically I'm just representing, um, and not entirely representing, because um, one, one, one of my finalists is not uh, representative in playoff. Uh, I have D- DJ Uyunglele as my Heisman winner. I've got JT Daniels uh, right there behind him. I've got Keaton Slovis, and I've got Derek King as, uh, I think, uh, a real candidate, especially if, if Miami does what I'm expecting them to do throughout the year. And I'm going to throw you a long shot where you truly might have to call a book and ask them to make you a line. <laughs> but freshman running back Will Shipley from Clemson is a name that if you can somehow get it like three, four, five hundred to one, I absolutely love it. This is a kid that if it wasn't for the pandemic, I truly would have, I truly believe would be wearing a Notre Dame uniform right now. Um, he's a true freshman. He is, sounds like he's already electrifying camp over at Clemson. He is going to be an absolute star. He's going to run the football out of the backfield. I think they're going to line up up in the slot. He's going to be a Swiss. He's going to be Christian McCaffrey, but better. And I just, again, it's, it's, I understand it's very unlikely that a true freshman that's not really even a starter is going to win the Heisman Trophy. But if you can get a crazy number and drop 20 bucks on it, I think it's, uh, I think it's a really good idea. I will, uh, I'll, I'll call the local guy and see if I can get a line on him. See what you can do. Any, uh, any Heisman predictions from you guys? Yeah, I got a couple and, I don't know. I, I hate talking Heisman with you, Steve, just because I'm reminded of, of 2018 when I took uh, Tua live uh, midway through the season at minus 1,200, and Steve had a 25-to-1 uh, ticket on Kyler. Um, and he you know, so graciously reminded me at my own wedding by signing the, uh, the hearts in the guest book or whatever, the guest frame that we had. Instead of signing his name, he signed it Kyler 25 to one. So uh, every time I walk past that, I, I laugh and, and cringe at the same time. I'd like it to just be really clear when you you asked my advice on the on the two of that. And I said, that's a really bad idea. The door is still open. I'm not blaming you. It's it's still a sore subject to me. Well, should we all, well after after you give your picks, we'll have to hear uh, Tommy's story about Kyler Murray and why he's upset. <laughs> <laughs> We each got uh, stories. Um, so I'll just point out a couple of Heisman facts. Um, so obviously the, the most recent winner, Devontae Smith, um, you know, he's, he's the only receiver that's won since 2000. So typically when you're looking for a Heisman winner, you want to look quarterback or running back, uh, 17 quarterbacks since 2000 have won it, three running backs. Um, the Heisman winner is, always comes from a team that wins nine or more games. Uh, and the majority of the time comes from a team that wins 10 or more. So, um, you know, think about the, the team's performance when you select a, a Heisman winner, um, and they always come from a power conference. So as good as the numbers that Malik Willis from Liberty, 
um, or Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati are going to put up this year. Um, neither of them are going to win. Uh, you know, if my boys on Hawaii back in the day, Colt Brennan and Timmy Chang couldn't win with their eye-popping numbers, uh, I don't see Ritter or, or Willis winning. Um, so, so with that bit of background, um, I know Rattler is the favorite, but he does have a pretty soft schedule. Uh, every Heisman winner gets, gets a vote. So there's been a couple of uh, Oklahoma quarterbacks that have won in the last couple of years. So maybe that sways it a little bit. So, um, you know, I have two bets. I have Rattler at, at plus 600 as the favorite. Uh, and then I, I talked about my love for Ole Miss this year. I think the, the numbers that Corral is going to put up are, are going to be outstanding. Um, so he's at 25 to one. I think he actually opened much higher. So apparently some of the sharp people agree with me. Um, and then I'll have, uh, I'll have Ritter, you know, maybe a distant third. Tell me what you got. So I actually like a couple of the guys that you mentioned, Steve, my favorite pick is going to be JT Daniels at 12 to one. You know, we've talked about Georgia. That's, you know, the pick I just made to win the national championship. I think, you know, he checks all the boxes of characteristics that Danny just mentioned. Um, and I could see him having a pretty special year along with the success of, of that team. Um, so that's my favorite pick. I think if I could bet a person to who's going to be a finalist, it's going to be DJ Uyunglele for Clemson. I just do not really see, barring an injury, him not being sitting there. But the numbers so like, are not there. The numbers, the, they've gotten wise. The value is just really not there anymore. Right. I mean, but 11 to 1, if you want to bet to have a guy there who you know is going to be sitting there and then maybe I actually, I didn't even see him last I saw he, well, I didn't even see him at 11 to one. So I mean, your numbers are going to be different at different books too. Right. So I think he's probably the most likely finalist. Um, So I don't have a problem getting money down on him. I don't necessarily think he's kind of a far away favorite who I love to win it, but he should be there. And then, I really thought when I was prepping notes for this, that this was going to be the first time this guy's name was mentioned on this podcast. So we've actually talked about him a bunch already. Um, So my thunder's stolen a little bit, but Anthony Brown at 75 to one. I didn't pick him as my final four, but we talked about Oregon's path to winning the PAC 12 potentially, you know, running the table if they were to ever beat, Ohio State, Ohio State team early in the year. So you get a more veteran team against, you know, a new quarterback, some new skill position players. If there's ever a way for them to steal that game, he's a dual threat. You know, he can pass. He's athletic. He can run. Fun fact, he had a receiving touchdown in all three seasons that he played at BC. So I think the stats could potentially be there and 75 to one for a team that, you know, might win the Pac-12 and could make their way in the college football playoff. Throw a dart. I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, I, I obviously don't like it because I don't think that he's going to win the high, but I right. think I, that's, I think it's really well thought out. Uh, and I think there, I think there is some value there. So I, I like that quite a bit. Ultimately, I don't think I, I necessarily recommend making any of the plays other than Will Shipley, which if you can find a 500 to one or something, I do recommend, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, maybe you wait and see how the season's moving a little bit and see if you can get a little bit, uh, you know, strike, strike when the opportunity is there and, and when things are a little bit clearer. 
Um, but yeah, I think we covered pretty much everything. Um, is there any, any, any final thoughts you guys want to, uh, I mean, I guess, I guess here, the most important thing to ask is, uh, what, what, uh, we got, we got Illinois getting seven from, uh, from Nebraska. What, uh, what say you guys? Is, uh, is Frost coaching? Is he in the clear for now or? I, I think for now, everything's okay. I, I'd probably, I'd probably lean Nebraska, um, but don't have a strong feeling on it either way. Tommy? Yeah, I, I haven't dug in. I mean, my gut was going to be to take Illinois actually in that game, just the state of Nebraska's program. And they've been nothing but a disappointment under Scott Frost. Um, you know, Brett Bielema is coming into Illinois kind of with a fresh, fresh perspective there. I thought the, uh, I'm a little disappointed. I saw the heir apparent at QB, who I think got some playing time at the end of last year. This guy, Juice Williams, I was all excited for him to be electrifying there. And it looks like they might have moved him to wide receiver. So that's uh, a little disappointing there. But um, we'll be diving into to some lines soon enough. And hopefully we'll be able to pick some winners there as well. Well, listen, I'm, I, I also haven't uh, dove in, but everything you just said, Tommy, is, is how I feel. Let's just ride Brett Bielema. It's good to have him back in the Big Ten where he belongs. And, uh, and I'll, I'll just take the points because they're points. Thank you guys both so much for doing this. Again, we're just going to pray that we find a way to get this recording to the Internet. Um, listener Ralph, I appreciate the, the Twitter question. Granted, it was uh, ask, asking, asking my thoughts on, on NIL and conference realignment. That could be a uh, multi-season podcast. So I'll try to get to those general topics next week. Sorry, we couldn't cover them here. And if you're still listening at this point in the podcast, text me, tell me that you heard me say this, and I will I will give you a prize of some kind. Danny and Tommy are not eligible. But if you are still listening, shoot me a text, tell me you made it all the way to the end, and uh, some some sort of prize will be coming your way. That's it for the season preview possibly the longest episode ever danny dimes tommy vegas thank you both so much what a pot it was and let's get ready for some college football see you guys next week that concludes the scoop and score podcast everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it i award you no points and may god have mercy on your soul